Swords. Uh, we are your bastard swordsmen for tonight. Um, our topic today is 1983 and 84's Bastard Swordsmen and Return of the Bastard Swordsmen. Yes. But, but before we get into that, Sean, what have you been up to? Um, not an awful lot. I have been watching a whole bunch of movies, but none of them really are that special. I'm still doing my Shaw Brothers thing. I'm trying to uh, revisit uh, as many Shaw Brothers films as possible. Ones I've just kind of uh, left behind and kind of fell by the wayside a little bit. So I watched um, Disciples of the 36th Chamber uh, the other day. Um, I watch. I'm, I'm trying to watch a little bit more Jimmy Wang Yu. So I did buy the uh, the German Blu-ray of Return of the Chinese Boxer, and I watched that. Did you um, like it? That film's fucking wild, but I do like it. It is a very good film. Yeah. Um, I uh, I think since last time we talked, I have now watched every Shaw Brothers movie. Nice. Every every martial arts Shaw Brothers movie. Yeah, I'm a I'm a lot behind you, but I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to rewatch as many. I'm trying to go back to the ones like uh, you know like uh, the Kung Fu Instructor and the Master yes. and films like that. Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to trying to revisit those. Did you hear the news uh, from Eureka today? Literally an hour. Actually, you you want to know what's funny is that I'm I was I'm supposed to be I was supposed to be interviewing Darren Wheeling. Oh. Who does the artwork for them for my YouTube channel on this coming Monday? Nice. But Eureka announced that they were pushing back their announcements to June 9th. Yes. So he gave me his phone number and said, Hey, we should talk about a few things. So I called him and he was like, Hey, you know, I have a big thing that I'm working on, but it, sh- <laughs> it should have been announced. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, th- th- that's fine. So we're pushing it back to June 13th. And then he, and then like an hour after we got off the phone, it got leaked that they're putting out the police story trilogy. Yeah. On uh 4k, right? Yeah. yeah. Fucking awesome. Uh, I'm the one thing I'm super happy about is that they're actually putting out police story three by itself. Yes. Uh, yes that's, that's super awesome. exciting because I mean, I, I literally, I bought the, um, I bought the criterion of police story and police story two. And I bought the, who originally put it out? Was it 88 films? No, I don't think it was 88. Was it Eureka originally then? Eureka put out I a set, think, right? Yes, they yeah, they uh they put out they were doing like little double sets for a while. Yes. Like Project A and then and then the police story. That's right. So I got police story, you know, I've got two box sets of the first two police stories. Um will I buy in in 4K? Yes, probably. Yes. <laughs> but yes. uh yeah, I'm glad they are putting out Police Story 3 for those that don't want to pick up the uh, the other two after having, you know, Criterion or Eureka's original set. But yeah, I'll probably buy it. You know, it's just the same as Dragons Forever. You know, I'm picking Dragons Forever up in 4K as well. So, um, but I do like that. That's great news. I'm, I'm very excited for that. Uh, but otherwise, nothing much to report on my end. I've just been, yeah, I'm just trying to sit through a bunch of movies. Watch Jackass 4.5 today. Is that good? I loved it. I loved it. Um, I always like it. It's like a combination of skits and interviews. And it's actually really, um, the interview parts are really, really good in this one. Uh, I don't necessarily love the 0.5 versions of, of the other films, but this one's really, really good. Um, and some of the skits are, are fucking awesome. So watch that. Watch Ricky Gervais's new special that everyone's rate or not raving about. Everyone's hating at the moment. So that was interesting. Wait, why are people hating? Um, 
Yeah, basically, if, if you're on Twitter today, you can't miss everyone raging against Ricky Gervais. He has a lot of, uh, not a lot, actually. He has some anti-trans, not anti-trans, but uh, trans jokes, I'll just call them. They're not necessarily anti-trans, well, I guess they are. Very controversial trans jokes, and uh, people are in an uproar about it. Speaking of controversial trans things, I watched uh, Skinny Tiger, Fatty Dragon. Oh, yeah. And that scene where he's fighting the two guys dressed up as women. Mm -hmm. And uh, that scene, if you made that today, that would not fly. Oh, some of Samo's homophobic content in his films are crazy. It's wild. Have you ever seen Pantyhose Hero? No, what? (laughs) Pantyhose Hero is one of uh, Samo's older films. And basically, it's not older, actually. I think it's either late 80s or early 90s. And... uh, as far as I can remember, it's about a serial killer murdering gay guys, and uh, it it's it's not the most politically correct film. I so don't think it will ever get a Blu-ray release. So it's Hong Kong version of Cruising. <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, is, it, I, is it funny? Um, I haven't seen it in a while. I've only got it on VHS, so I haven't seen it in a long time. I remember it being, it's definitely lighthearted and like, it's not dark or anything. It's so It's like so weird because Samo, in my eyes, is just a comedy guy. Yeah. So when I watch a movie or a show or something and he's in a serious role, it's I'm like waiting for the joke. I'm like, where's the joke? Yeah, that's, that's his whole thing, comedy. I mean, that's where he does his best work. But uh, yeah, granted, some of his... Some of his uh, comedy has not aged that well, and he he loved uh, he loved a rape scene, a rape scene back in the day. He liked putting rape scenes in his films, so that was interesting. It's, it's, it seems like in Asian movies in general, because there's like I mean t- Taylor jokes that every samurai movie I watch, there is a girl getting raped. Yeah, in the movie. yeah, I think that's that's like the ultimate evil, though, right? Um, I think that's what they're trying to push. It's just like, well, what's what's the worst thing a bad guy can do? And it's like, well, rape. So we'll put rape in there. So uh, I don't that know is, whether it's that a is pretty terrible. Thing. Yeah, exactly. That, exactly. That, that is pretty terrible. Um, since the last time we talked, I watched uh, The Northman. Oh, I haven't, I'm waiting for my 4K. Um, I ordered it on, I pre ordered it, but I, I think it's out on like June 14th, which is my birthday. So hopefully I'll get a nice treat that day. Uh, what do you think of it? I so upon initial watch, and I've only seen it once, but when I when I turned off the TV, I was like, man, that was really good. It's his second best movie. I, nice. I would rank Lighthouse and then Northman and then Witch. But as I've gone as it's been almost two weeks since I watched it, or mm-hmm. a week, um I've been thinking about it a lot and it might be my favorite movie of his. Nice, nice. It's um... just one of those movies that I'm surprised got made. Because there's a lot of money behind it, yeah. it looks very like like a very expensive uh, film, but it's made by a guy who's not a blockbuster director. Yeah, they kind of threw money at him with this one a little bit, right? Yeah, I, I think his budget was sixty million. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. I haven't seen. I just actually, um, I just ordered the Lighthouse and just got the Blu-ray in for that, so I'm actually watching that on Thursday. Um, First but, time. Uh, yeah, first time for the Lighthouse Love that for me. Movie, so I'm excited to watch that. And then the Northman, yeah, I, I'm i pumped for it. It's what, naked guys fighting on a volcano? There is, I mean, spoilers. <laughs> I mean, do you care about spoilers? Uh, as long as there's no, like, big twists. But I don't mind people telling me there's naked guys fighting on a volcano. The final scene is two yeah. guys butt naked fighting in a volcano. I'm down for that. 
and it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a scene at the towards the beginning um, where it's just a bunch of Vikings that are they're, they're they're just naked in the woods and they're howling like dogs around <laughs> a campfire. And I and I like looked at my wife and I was like, "This is what guys want to do with each other. Like, exactly. We don't we don't want to go to strip clubs. We want to go into the woods and just fucking be." be feral animals <laughs> that's right absolutely yeah yeah just shed our clothing and just get all muddy and run off into the woods yeah um they made anna joy taylor look awful in this movie she's i've got i've got issues with her she's <laughs> so she you got issues with her. right okay she's consistently gone from looking very pretty to getting weirder and weirder. I think she's a little too... Th- she looks like Rango. Oh, my God. The chameleon. Her <laughs> eyes are too far Jesus. apart. She's skinny. There's, there's something that just doesn't quite sit well with me. She's pretty, but she's pretty in, like, a very um, just unconventional way now. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm... I don't know. She looks... Like, she, if you saw her in, like, an Amish community, you'd be like, that's the cutest Amish we've ever seen. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But if you saw if you saw her walking down the street, would she turn your head? I I don't want. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm not so sure she would. Maybe in a kind of oh, she's interesting looking way. But I don't know. She doesn't stand out for me that much. No, she's a great actress though. Oh yeah, she's phenomenal. Uh, and I've yet to see um, what's that fucking movie that just came out with it? Where the Edgar Edgar Wright movie? Um. Why can't I remember the name of it? Last Night in Soho. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but I'm kind of itching to see it. I'm not the biggest. I'm not a biggest uh, Edgar Wright fan. No, no. I mean, I like I like his um, his trilogy he did. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead and all that. Yeah. I, I I like that, but like I don't love them. I liked Baby Driver. I don't love it. Okay. So he's just like he's just like one of those directors that like when he when he puts out a movie, I don't rush to go see it if I just happen to be if it's on or if it's available to rent yeah. and there's nothing else, I'll watch it. But he's not like my go-to guy. I think that's fair. The first time I watched baby driver, I literally didn't like it. I came out of the theater and I was just like, yeah, that was no, I good. loved it. The first time I saw it. See, I flipped on it. I bought it on Blu-ray and I watched it fairly recently at the beginning of this year. And I was just like, Oh wait, okay. I get it now. I, I and I actually really like the film now. You know, I, I don't like uh, Ansel Elgort as an actor very much that makes um, sense. i mean just accusations aside yeah um, of course but he is so good in tokyo vice oh, i haven't started he yet. is phenomenal in that show and like i get why people like him now yeah like it clicked with me so wild that that guy got accusations and then he gets a fucking michael bay or not michael bay michael mann tv show and a Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah, I, I I, think his accusations are going to be swept under the rug a little bit. I think he's going to continue going from strength to strength. I don't think he's going to get in trouble, really, that much. I mean, look at, uh, I mean, do you follow the comedy world at all? Uh, to some extent. Uh, Chris D'Elia yes. mm-hmm. settled out of court, uh, and he's back doing comedy, got got his podcast going again, he's making money, yeah. sponsorships, it's like, it's fucking, it's wild, dude. 
Exactly. Yeah. People wild. sometimes people just, you know, get away with it and you know you can pay people off and that's fair, you know, if 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 the person that's accusing you is very comfortable with getting two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars, whatever it may be, and they and then after they get that money, they're like, Okay, we're done, then good good for you. Fine, pay them off. But uh yeah, it's 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 an interesting world. Lots of people getting cancelled at the moment. I don't even know if um oh what the fuck's Ar- Army Hammer, is that his name? That one I felt bad because he was just like what messaging a girl his fetish and then she obviously was messaging him back but yes the messages were cropped out yeah so, I kind of felt I, bad and I, for him and I felt bad for him because the poor guy is just he's he's fuck he's a weirdo you know yeah that's it that's all he is like he's just a weirdo from the sounds of things and we're all weird like, I mean but like 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 do you have a fetish I have not one I'm going to talk about on the book. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it a fetish. I wouldn't call it a fetish. I have certain uh, pe- uh, peccadillos, as they say. Peccadillos. Um, yeah, certain <laughs> certain interests. Um, nothing wild. Nothing will get me cancelled in any way. But yeah, I mean, everyone has their certain you know leanings that they like, and he just happens to like cannibalism. Yeah, I mean that's cool. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever floats your boat. As long as you're not eating people, you're good, really. Yeah, as long as you don't actually pull. Uh... God, what's the fuck? What were the you know the the German court case about that? Um, Armin Muse. Yes, I'm yeah. so glad that I'm so glad that you knew what that was right <laughs> off the top of your head. This is why this is why we're friends. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, as long as you're not doing that, yes, then, exactly. Then exactly. you're then like you're good. But yeah, I felt bad because it was very clearly she was re uh, reciprocating um, what he wanted. Yeah, it's it, it's sad when. I mean, I guess it's easy to, not that I'm saying there's lots of people doing this, but I guess sometimes it's easy to, like, take something, edit it, accuse someone, and then people start believing it. Dude, I'm just glad that people weren't recording people during the Xbox 360 era. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I would be canceled into oblivion. Yeah, yeah, I'm lucky. Like uh, all of my exes, if they came out with truths about me, it would just be Sean is the most boring man ever, and probably very bad in bed and stuff like that. So I'm okay. <laughs> Nothing too controversial on my end. But like, but like you haven't like you know like did you play Xbox? I didn't. I've never been a big gamer. I mean, Whoa. here and there. Yeah, I mean, I had a PlayStation Three back in the day, but I, I never really was a big gamer. Um, so you've I, never I, had a heated gamer moment. Um, no, <laughs> there's, there's a, there's a story where, um, I, I used to play Skyrim. Okay. And, um, one day Skyrim gave me the biggest panic attack I've ever had. And I literally had to go to the doctor because it fucked me up so badly. Oh Jesus! And I don't play games anymore because open world games, I literally cannot handle. There's, there's too much like Skyrim. You had to fucking buy boots. You had to get a job. You had to go and fucking take this guy's poem to this fucking girl over here. And it was too much. And it stressed me out so much. I literally couldn't handle it. So linear games that have a start, middle end that and i don't have to deviate at all i can handle for example i played uh the last of us and i fucking loved the last of us and i can also handle like the resident evil games but anything that's open world my brain just explodes and i can't deal with them see i hate open world for the most part mm-hmm. but then i think about like my two favorite games i've played in the last handful of years or my three favorite games two of them are open world games they just nail it yeah so well like uh Elden ring 
Yes, Elden yeah, Ring well, is. I can play that. It's just it's a perfect. <laughs> it, no, I mean I I really think you could because it starts you off and the main area is pretty big, but there's like what it does really well is that there's not like like if you ever play Assassin's Creed, you open the map and there's yeah. hundreds of things to do. That's overwhelming. Yes. But you open up your map in Elden Ring and there's nothing. You just yeah. you're like, hey, today I'm going to go this direction and accomplished getting to like level 10 yeah, and then yeah. you go there and then you stumble upon a dragon there's a couple of caves that you can go explore it took me i think i beat that game in like a hundred hours um Jeez. just because and i haven't played a game like that since ghost of tsushima which is another open world game yes which handles i think all that stuff extremely well all the extra stuff in that world isn't like fetch quests or any, any anything boring it's yeah you just kind of stumble upon certain like like extracurricular activities and they actually enhance your gameplay uh, yeah but Elden ring i think is the greatest open world game ever that's what a it's, lot of people are saying i actually watched uh, funny enough even though i don't play games and i, I stress so much i love watching walkthroughs so or playthroughs so i'll always i watched elden ring from the start to the finish someone play it from beginning to end and i, I love watching them play but yeah i couldn't deal with that it's such a good game i fucking love it um i kind of want to start but yeah i mean i just beat it like a month ago <laughs> and a hundred hours is a lot that's that's time that's a lot of time yeah it's a lot of time but um, you want to talk about tonight's movie? Absolutely. So tonight we're talking about The Bastard Swordsman and Return of The Bastard Swordsman, 1983 and 84, mm-hmm. uh, directed by, how do you pronounce this guy's name? Tony Lao Chun Ku. Yeah, I was just describing it as, uh, I think I was just saying Tony Lou. L-O-U, is that Low or Lou? I think it's Low. I'm not sure. Okay, Tony Low, I would, I would say. Um, yeah, interesting director. Uh, very interesting director. Um, he's directed Holy Flame in the Martial World, which came out the same year as Bastard Swordsman. Yes. Um, he's also directed Holy Virgin versus the Evil Dead, mm-hmm. and uh, Secret Service of the Imperial Court. Um, he's done some crime action stuff as well, but he's most. I think his most popular film is probably Holy Flame, the Holy Flame of the Martial World. Yeah, what really got me when looking... Honestly, this guy, even though I don't talk about him or even knew his name, he may be one of my favorite directors because he also directed The Dragon and the Tiger Kids, also known as Hell's Wind Staff, which is like an independent kung fu film, which is absolutely phenomenal. Huang Zhang Li is the bad guy. Uh, He directed The Master that I was talking about earlier, aka Three Evil Masters. And he even did fucking Girls, Girls with Guns films. He did Dreaming the Reality and Angel Terminators 2. So he's run the gamut of like uh, swordplay, straight old school kung fu, girls with guns. He's done a lot, and yeah, this guy's awesome. He is pretty awesome. Um, I know there is there was a golden gold ninja video release of the Holy Version versus the Evil Dead mm-hmm. that I missed out on, and I'm really sad about. But in 1983, we had Holy Flame Martial World, Bastard Swordsman, and then also Duel to the Death came out in '83. Crazy. Crazy. Uh, fucking Norm- wild year. Norman Chu had the best swordplay year ever. He was in Bastard Swordsman and he was in yep. uh, the, uh, Bastard <laughs> Swordsman and Duel to the Death and Zoo, Warriors from the Magic Mountain. So That came a- out in 83 as well? Yeah, yeah. Holy, what was going on in Hong Kong? 
Yeah, he he had a hell of a good year. I like Norman Chu. I've always been a fan of Norman Chu. Although uh, in this film, he plays a very different role than what he's kind of an asshole. Yeah, uh, but it's it's interesting because at the start of the film, he starts off as like this humble, like Jackie Chan and Snake and Eagle Shadows type character. The you know the lackey that's getting all the shit thrown at him, and uh, he never plays. He always plays like yeah, asshole kind of like honorable. Uh, stiff up uh, lip characters, but in this, he's a he's a bit of a dweeb. And now this movie, in its sequel, um, it starts off as a standard Wuxia film, yes. like like nothing too crazy is happening. You can kind of guess that the main character, who is very wimpy, will probably become the savior. Yeah. Um, it's very tropey, but the shit that happens gets progressively crazier and crazier and crazier. And then Return of the Bastard Swordsman. Is just crazy from the start. Return of the Bastard. In my opinion, I, I will say this: Bastard Swordsman. Upon uh, rewatching it for this podcast, I will say, and I, this is my honest feeling. I think Bastard Swordsman would be in my top five Shaw Brothers films. Oh, um, I mean, it's, I it's, love it's, this film. It's definitely up there for me. It's. I give it five out of five on Letterbox. I absolutely fucking loved it. 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 Just it hit every single point that I I loved. It's just the choreography is flawless. It's wild. It's absolutely bonkers at times, but it's not like Chor Yoon complex. It's kind of a simple film. Um, I I would say plot wise, it's very simple. But yeah, uh, fight wise, the chore oh. the fucking choreography is so complex. Why don't we that... talk about Yoon Tak? Because Yoon Tak is the choreographer. No one talks about him as a choreographer. And uh, he, on this film alone, was doing things that just other films were not doing. There are scenes in this movie where I do not know how they yeah. film that. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. I'm like, how are they doing that? Like, is that undercranked? What is happening? There's obviously wires. Yeah. But is that really a guy spinning eight times in a row? I would be vomiting. Yes. Like, it's just... Like that, like that scene uh, in the courtroom uh, where there's like those, those like yin yang pads that are like floating yeah. in the air. Yeah. How did they film that? Because they were just staying there, spinning, and then he is just spinning also. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Some of the wire work just um it, the uh the site I was looking at said that the choreography was by uh, Yoon Tak and it was by Tony Liu as well Tony Lo sorry the director I don't think the director had much of it or didn't do much of the choreography because he doesn't seem to be listed as doing fight action work for other films but if this is purely Yoon Tak's baby he was doing stuff that just yeah it just just head and shoulders above above other films it's it's phenomenal. The guy's an absolute legend. And uh, every single thing about this film, from the choreography to... I mean, the cast is bonkers. The cast is amazing. So, uh, we'll, uh, for, so for the first movie, we're just going to run down the cast real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have uh, Norman Chu, Tony, yep. Tony Liu, uh, Wang Young, Lian Liu, Alex Mann, uh, Chan Zikai, Ku Quan Chung, Lo Meng, Quan yep. uh, Fong, uh, Richard Yoon Tak. Um, anybody else stand? stand yeah, up? you've got Wilson Tong and Sun Chen from the Venom's Mob in it as well. Um, yep. Yeah, which uh, Sun Chen does uh, practically nothing in this film, which is crazy because he's one of the Venoms. And uh, Wilson Tong, I just like Wilson Tong's one of my genuine favorites. He's he's fantastic. Um, but yeah, this uh, 
this movie's got stat cast, but the plot is pretty, I would say pretty bare bones. Yeah. Um, rival schools, rival styles. Uh, do they say every 10 years, the two masters fight? Yes. And then, and then, uh, and then we get to see that fight happen. And, so nothing crazy happens in this movie until the main bad guy's henchman shows up. And then the master of the school just triple quadruple flips into his chair. <laughs> yeah. And that's the first that's the first crazy bit we see and then from then on it's just fucking bonkers. Yeah, it's I mean this film I want to say I think this film does uh undercranking possibly better than any other film I've seen. Cuz I can't is, tell. Exactly. Exactly. I, I know it's undercranked, but it's so like it's not over the top enough to just look fantastic. It's so good. And uh Lo Meng at the start, he he comes out and starts fighting, you know, a bunch of the the Wudang students and I've never seen him look back. Like, I never expect uh, Lo Meng to be a sword fighter because I'm always used to him being the muscle, right? He's the empty-handed muscle uh, guy in the Venoms mob. But uh, seeing him with a sword, I was just like, oh my God, this is bonkers. I loved it. It's, um, what's your favorite fight in this movie besides, let's say, the end? Because um, um, the end is, I've never, it's almost comical, but it's played serious. Uh, I, what I said in my notes, I said that the fight in the inn is what people should be shown to say, hey, this is what Wujar is, and this is how cool Wujar is. And that's the, and that's the scene where, uh, the two masters had fought, uh, the losing master goes back to his school, Mm -hmm. and the assassins just show up. Yes. And they're like, our master said, he's like, but your guy said two years, and he's like, no, he wants you dead now. And then one of one of the craziest fights ever put the fights. Oh, it's so good. And what I wanted, like, because they weren't using computers back then. No. Someone had to edit this by slicing film together. The the editing, I don't know who did it, but they were an absolute genius. It's it's both bonkers and it's very coherent and very precise and just yeah, wonderful. Every single aspect of this film is the, even the costumes, the costumes, the sets. Everything looks perfect. I, According I to Letterbox, the the editor was Cheng Sang Lung. Hmm. He edited four hundred and ninety movies. Jesus. Uh, he, he edited thirty six Chambers of Shaolin, Come Drink with Me, Five Deadly Venoms, Eight Diagram Pole Fighter, nice. One Arm Swordsman. Pretty much all the classics. <laughs> yeah, so he's got a. He's got a good uh, filmography behind Holy him. Like Four hundred ninety movies. Yeah, it's a lot. Of most of them are Shaw Brothers. It looks like he just edited most of the martial arts Shaw Brothers movies. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously a talented guy because. Uh, and, and if you would have said like, I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that the same guy that edited this edited like Thirty Six Chamber of Shaolin. It feels so different. It does. It feels drastically different. But like watching this from the per like when I when I first watched this, I was just watching it as a fan of film. Mm-hmm. And just being like, man, this is wild. This is crazy. This is one of the. This is literally one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And then watching it again for the podcast, but watching it through like, I don't want to say like a critical lens, but like the lens of like knowing what an editor is, what yeah, yeah. undercranking is, and trying to catch the tricks. Because like I mm-hmm. love, I love doing that when like you're watching movies. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I know what they're doing there. Um. But here it's like, yeah, that's obviously undercrank, but. I can't tell because it flows yeah. so naturally 
it looks so just it, it it looks like it's just happening naturally that you can't tell and then the editing is phenomenal in this movie i think this is the i think this is like you know like the raid is like the perfect hand to hand combat mm-hmm. yes this is the perfect swordplay combat in my opinion Yes, yeah, it's just, I, I would agree, I would agree. If you were to ask me, <laughs> it's weird, if you were to ask me the best two swordplay films, I would say this and Duel to the Death, which came out the same year. I would say, honestly, those two, nothing nothing gets better than that in my eyes. Granted, there are a lot of Shaw Brothers Wuxia films I have not yet to see. Um, there's a few like Return of the Sentimental Swordsman, and things like that, that I haven't seen yet. Um, but uh, this, this is head and shoulders above many that i've seen and and uh and these two films don't get a lot of recognition no or a lot really of love odd. like like watching this i'm like i could see the influence on stuff like crouching tiger house of flying dagger like mm-hmm. all those rc movies feel like they just took from the like this this like this film and was yeah. like we're gonna make a more respectable version of that yeah, it's it's just such a it's it's strange. It's very a, a very vibrant, like um, over the top showy film, and it seems odd that no one talks. It seems odd that um, who was it? Funimation put it out. Funimation, yeah. Well, so uh, about that line is mm-hmm. that I think BFI, I think was yes. the label. There was a label before that had licensed fifteen movies. And they put one out and then went under. And then Funimation came in and said, hey, we're going to release them. But, like, I have the complete line. Um, and it's one of my favorite things in my collection because the selection is such yeah. a... odd choices, right? It's very odd choices. Um, you know, it feels like Tokyo Shock and Dragon Dynasty from that era got the most known the classics right got the classic yeah yeah yeah. and then and then uh and then there's labels like um funimation and then welgo with their sword uh with their sword masters line yes yes that were just putting out very obscure uh lesser known titles that are still very good Mm -hmm. um but what's weird about the funimation line just to go on a tangent for a second is that uh hong kong godfathers yes is only available through the U.S. DVD release. It never got a Celestial Pictures release. Yeah, it's really interesting. I actually don't own that film for some reason. It, it basically it, it came out and I never picked it up, and then all of a sudden it became like this rarity that was hard to get, and uh, I've never picked it up since. Um, but yeah, it's crazy that it was just available on that label. It's such it, it, it's such a good line, but I love the artwork. Have you seen the artwork for the Funimation release of Bastard Swordsman? One oh, yeah. two. Oh yeah, I've got it. Right. That's how I watched it. Oh, you actually own them? I've got the Funimation Bastard Swordsman set, and I have a um, I have a IVL Celestial double pack of them. They came together in a nice slipcover, which I've never actually seen in in many places. I'm kind of lucky to have that, I think. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I've got they both. they they did those special editions for a few. Like, I I know the Thirty Six Chambers trilogy has like a hard box, and then oh, I nice. have. I have the One Arm Swordsman trilogy, and it's in a hard box, and it's got uh, Jimmy Wang Yu's signature, and uh, who took after who took over the One Arm Swordsman after David Chang? David Chang. It's got his. It's got his signature on, on it. Oh, nice. Um, it's one of my, it, it's. That's on my favorite shelf. But I would love. I would kill for a Blu-ray release of these two movies. 
Yeah, I mean, I can only hope that maybe, you know, fingers crossed with Arrow putting out these sets and promising, what, have we got two more after the second one? Well, they they didn't officially announce, but they just said after Cor, after Troy Yoon died, um, James Flower of Arrow tweeted, uh, it was so sad that Troy Yoon's passed. He's not represented in volumes one and two, but we hope to change that with future sets. Oh, well, well fingers crossed. I would love a set where we got Bastard Swordsman, Return of the Bastard Swordsman, and then throw in films like Shaolin Prince and Shaolin Intruders. Just those wacky, over-the-top swordplay films. Or Holy uh, Flame of the Martial World. Holy Flame of the Martial uh, World. Like, is um, Full Moon Scimitar and stuff oh, like I that. Love, I love that movie. Have you seen that? Not for not for many years. We I don't own it that anymore. Eventually. That, that movie's... I actually just watched that the other night. Yeah, just these these amazing, just over-the-top bonkers films. Uh, I would love to see a set with them all together. Um, but yeah, a, a Blu-ray of Bastard Swordsman would be a dream come true. That's what I, that's what I, I mean, that's what like, I, I've talked about in like, YouTube videos is that there is so many gr- gr- good, great films yeah. that are just not considered classics for whatever reason um, here in the West that deserve a Blu-ray release. Yeah, it's it's sad that some of these films like fall into uh, obscurity um, or some of the times if they do get released in, let's say, Hong Kong and China, for example, I, um, oh, what the fuck is it called? Uh, Burning Paradise. Uh, that got a release in Hong Kong. It got a Hong Kong Blu-ray. So I picked it up and I was just like, I love this film. I'm so glad to have it on Blu-ray. And the subtitles are absolutely terrible. Some of the worst I've seen. And it just sucks that, you know, they get released uh, uh, in Hong Kong or China and you pick it up and it's just not quite the quality you want it to be. Plus, they do a lot of upscaling as well in uh, Hong Kong, it seems. I well, I think, uh, I mean, for the most part, uh, Celestial Pictures has, has done a great job. Oh, yeah. Um, I think there's only one movie that is an upscale out of their line, and that's uh, Buddha's Palm, I think. Oh, okay. Um, that one looks like shit, but the I, but I they, didn't like that film anyway. Yeah, that's not very, it's not it's not a high point in their catalog. Yeah, um, but I mean, for the most part, all of their subtitles are great, and it's kind of shocking that they subtitled everything. Yeah, I mean they they put in the work during their their DVD era. They just, I mean, nothing could top them. They were constantly churning out these amazing Shaw Brothers films and just put just doing it how it should be done. And I hope. I hope that we're getting to that point where we're going to see the Blu-rays done exactly the same way. And, you know, we're getting spoiled at the moment. And then these Germany releases as well, you know, their media books and things like that. Hopefully we'll get to see some classics redone the way they're meant to be. What I love about Germany is that they're putting out, um, they'll put out like a lot of Thai, uh, like a lot of Thai films too. Yeah. Taiwan martial arts films. So like the lesser known low budget spaghetti western version of the hong kong stuff yeah germany really are, are great with their titles um i i agree with you they can pick up like the the old independent stuff from yeah like you said from taiwan or they can put out shaw brothers um the only the only tough thing with germany releases of course is those those media books either a you buy them directly from germany and they cost you like 80 dollars, or b they come to you know this neck of the woods and they're on uh, diabolic or orbit and they sell out in three minutes and it's hard to actually pick one up. So it's, it's like a challenge to get it. Either you pay a shitload or, you know, you have to be on the site the minute they come out. 
Now, let's get back to Bastard Swordsman. Yes. Um, the first fight the first, at, at the school with the bad guy's henchmen yes. um, is one of, I think, one of the best sword, sword fights ever. It's just, yes. it's so fluid. It's the cuts in the edit are like perfect timing. Um, I think a lot of Shaw Brothers Wusha films have an issue of having too much of a long shot. To mm-hmm. where yeah. it starts to feel a little draggy, a little slow. There's not enough edits to keep things fun, but this movie has such a rhythm to it that it's just it's perfect. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree, and it's uh, it's interesting what this film does because I'm 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 someone who'll watch a film and be like with a slightly critical eye, be like, ah, I see what they're doing there. They're masking the doubles. Like, they're hiding the doubles with, like, a long shot. But in this film, they hide their doubles very, very well, and it doesn't ever, like, break my concentration and be like, oh, I see what they're doing here. So they just... Uh, yeah, it was an excellently filmed film. And also, all the sets, too. Um, <sighs> Gorgeous. I, for the most part, a lot of these movies are filmed on a soundstage. Yes. Uh, which blows my mind sometimes. I'm like, holy fuck. That's on a soundstage. The scene where the two um, the two masters show down for the first time. Yes. And it's like, it's it looks like it's supposed to be like on the top of a mountain desolate. Uh, it looks very much like the opening of the eighth of the uh, eighth diagram pole fighter. Yes. Yeah. And uh that's just such a fun fight. And like I said, things get progressively crazier to where it starts off, uh, you know, there's some flying, there's some wire food, and then it gets into like, like not like lasers, but like <laughs> chi energy. It's just yeah. like, there's a concept for like people who don't know a lot about, you know, martial arts films. There's like, there's a thing called the martial world. Mm-hmm. And not every movie talks about it. It's not discussed, but like for the most part, we know this is taking place in like a hyper reality. It's the martial world. This movie is like full on. Let's take every trope that we possibly can, but be tasteful with it. Because if you watch this and then you watch Holy Flame in the Martial World, which is just, I think, Bastard Swordsman on acid. Yes. This movie is still very tasteful. It's very like you could look at this, like I could see this. It won't happen, but I could see this getting like a Criterion release because I do think it's a very classy film. Um, there's nothing that is like not there's there's like nothing that's unclassy about it. It's a very mature film, even it though it's also very silly. Yes, yes, but that's why I, I think it's so good because it does balance it perfectly. Um, and I love the fact that it's just like it's it's. It's so silly because it's just like, hey, I'm I'm the master of this particular style. I'm going to go away for two years so I can get to level 10. And there's another guy who's just like, well, I'm going to practice my silkworm style. And it's like, it's so, it's so simple. All it is is guys practicing to get a certain level so they can beat each other. But like the way they... I mean, the silkworm style is fantastic. It's so yeah, let's, the top. Let's, uh, let's talk about that. Our main guy trains and his hair turns white. Yes. Um, and the final fight he uses silkworm style. Have you heard of that before? I I've never heard of it in any other film. I've yeah me yeah I haven't heard except for the sequel. Um, yes. Oh yes. Yes. But uh, in this movie, he 
I can't even explain what the fuck happens in the final <laughs> fight. So he uses chi energy yeah. to create silk, silk, <laughs> and then makes a cocoon for him and the bad guy to be entrapped in. When they're fighting in the cocoon, it's genius. It's so good. It's so fucking funny because that thing is moving around. There's a bunch of extras. Um, and every time they like do a punch, the cocoon like jumps up in the air and everyone's like, Oh, uh, and then at the very end, the thing explodes (laughs) and our guy, our main character is standing there over a body of burnt bones. Yep. It's so fucking crazy. It's so the first time I actually, I was watching it right before because I wanted to rewatch that fight scene because it's just, yeah. It's I turn on that fight scene and my kid walks into the room. And she's like, "What are you watching?" And I'm like, "I can't explain this. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure." And then after, after, and then like the end is just so like that fight is honestly one of the dumbest, but also greatest things I've ever seen. Yeah, it it all just sat very very well with me. Like uh, just. It was, it's very silly, um, but it's executed very, very well. And they just, they don't, they don't half ass it. They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to go crazy right now. And they go crazy. And for some reason, it works. That, um, when there's a, there's a fight scene, it's not the final fight scene. I think it's the penultimate fight scene. But it's, um, when, who is it fighting? I can't even remember. Someone's fighting. And you know, when they split into two and there's like two people fighting. At the same time, but it's it's them like splitting into two. They nail that camera, like it's all done in camera, well, not in camera, but it's all done with like editing. But it's done so well. And how did they yeah. do that? That's what I want to know. How did they do that? So I imagine they 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 do the fight, and then at a certain scene, they yell, "Stop! Everyone freeze!" Then they they get another act they edit it there they splice it there and then on the next scene they bring in another actor to be alongside that it's i don't know it's very very clever the way they do and this is in 1983 i mean i it's just yeah it's it's i don't like using the phrase ahead of its time but it's definitely ahead of its it's definitely ahead of its time i mean this the this uh tony tony lu is just i think a director that deserves way more respect yeah, absolutely. I, d- I didn't even know about him hardly. And now looking at his filmography, it's great. Also, is this... What's the first film to deal with Wu-Tang or Wu-Dang? Like, Wu-Tang, I'm not sure. Yeah, did Shaolin and Wu-Tang come out? Oh, Shaolin and Wu-Tang was in 83. I wonder what came out first, whether Bastard Swordsman or Shaolin and Wu-Tang came out first. 83 is a wild year. Yeah, a good year. And it's crazy to think Bastard Swordsman came out the same year as Project A. <laughs> Holy fuck! Okay, now that's, that's wild. Yeah, the two like completely different films, and completely this, different. They feel like different eras. Oh yeah, this feels like a 1979 film. Easily, this feels like a seven. Yeah, this this definitely feels like a seventies film. Yeah, but it, Shaw Brothers did that a lot though. They were clutching onto like the old kung fu style. I mean, what's uh, Eight Diagram Pole Fighter eighty five? I think I think it might be later. Oh really? Eighty six. Let me look it up real quick. Um, I think it's 88, but that seems way too late for me. Oh, 84. Is it? Is it 84? Oh, it's 84. Yeah, it looks like it. Huh. 
Oh, I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was later than that. But still, to have eight diagram pole fighter in '84, and you know, that's like that's literally one year before Eastern Condors comes out, which is crazy. I think is Eastern Condors '85 or is it '87? I'm trying to think of like the Japanese equivalent, equivalent of what was happening in the '80s. Like yeah. for like samurai movies, because a lot of that stuff hit its heyday in the seventies. Um, yeah. Oh, Eastern but, Condors was eighty seven. It was eighty seven. Yeah. But yeah. I, these. It, it's just. It, it feels like Shaw. I mean, th- th- this is the end of the Shaw brothers. Yes. Yes. Certainly, they're on there. It doesn't feel like they're going out of style because this film is so great. But yes, they're definitely on their way out. They're yeah. Uh, I mean, in movies into the 2000s early 2000s yeah but that was more of just like a name legacy thing this is the end of the of the golden era this yes. is the end of the reign yes um and then you want to talk about the sequel we can yeah absolutely um the sequel is a uh it's a different film so you don't I like do. it as much as the first one uh no i do not uh i do not uh like it nearly as much as the first one the first one um I gave five stars, and I think the second one I gave three stars. Okay, so uh, tell me what you don't like about the second versus. So the second one takes what the first one did and makes it uh, flabby. It's a flabby film. It's uh, convoluted. There's too many characters, and there's not enough action. And it takes away the 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 just the simpleness of it all. And uh, it has an amazing cast, and it kind of wastes some people in the cast. I mean, the sequel has Philip Cofey in it, and Philip Cofey does not do much, and Philip Co is one of my favorites. And it just, it just doesn't quite work. It, it ups the craziness, and I appreciate that it ups the craziness, and it gets absolute legends on board. I mean, who's going to argue with a with the Chen Quan Tai villain. Everyone loves Chen Quan Tai. And he's amazing in this. And his heartbeat technique, whatever the fuck it's called, is crazy. But it's just a little too much. It's not tight enough. I would agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the spectacle of the action does save it for me to make it a little bit higher than three stars. Yes, I can understand that. That, that makes sense to me. It feels like... I mean, t- I haven't seen a lot. Of, I haven't seen all of Tony Lau's films, mm-hmm. um, but Holy Fun in the Martial World is very incomprehensible, in my opinion. <laughs> that yeah. that movie is just special effects, action. There's, can you tell me what happens in that movie, like plot wise? I couldn't. I couldn't even begin. No yeah. idea. So if it it feels like Bastard Swordsman one was him, the best he could make a story. Yeah. And then the sequel is like, but I really miss doing that fucking crazy dumb shit. Yes. Let's let's just use the Bastard Swordsman world as a palette. Um I'm surprised they didn't make a third one. I'm I'm surprised as well, actually. To be honest, this this series, The Bastard Swordsman, I imagine it could have gone on. To be honest, I'm surprised no one's remade it. Um, in the like early 2000s or something like that. Uh, it seems like a film that could go alongside... Um, do you remember when uh, Derek Yee uh, did... Have you ever seen Swordmaster 3D? No. It's a film... I don't know what year it came out. I can't remember. Probably like 2000... Oh, I don't 
know, 2011 maybe. And it was this, this great like 2000s Wuja. And it just seems like Bastard Swordsman is, is right for the picking and a perfect film to remake uh, as long as they do it well. Watching this, I couldn't help. I mean, watching these two movies, I couldn't help but think of it being remade. But could you imagine uh, Choi Hark during the. Is it Swordmaster? Uh, well, that he did? Yeah, the because there was the three Swordmaster movies, right? Oh, I don't know. Oh, yes. Um, Swordsman. Swordsman movies. Yes. During Choi Hark during that era, could you imagine if he remade this movie with that style oh yeah i mean it's it's per- the fact that um yeah the 90s era is is a perfect like late 90s uh when people even have you seen this uh the sword wait hold on sword stained with royal blood remake there's a remake of that yeah you know they, they got the venoms one and then there's a remake with yun biao in it from i don't know what year maybe 90 i'm not even gonna take a guess i'm gonna look it up um, but it's it's literally one of the most insane films I've ever seen. I, it just I doesn't do, make sense. I do want to correct myself. Choi Hark only worked on the first one. It is Su Tung Ching who did the okay. second and third one um, who directed Duel to Death. Yeah, Saw Stain with Royal Blood was 93. Um, I don't know who directed it, but uh, it's I think it's based... Well, yeah, it's obviously a remake of the original, but it's it's just films like this, that like uh, Bastard Swordsman, would just they would be perfect to make into ninety style, just crazy uh, new Dragon Gate in style films. This is a movie that I wish we could. I mean, I wish I got more films because I love the world. Oh yeah, I love I I love how fucking crazy it is. Yeah, um, it's it's great, and and the. Just the the wealth of talent in these films. I don't even know how we hired so many amazing actors, but it's just Low Lay is in the second one. Yeah. So yeah, do you want let's 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 keep talking about the sequel. Yes. Um, what did you think of the final fight? So the final fight I liked. Um, again, it is insane it's it's absolutely out of this world and um i didn't i don't love the whole drumming aspect of it it's cool don't get me wrong it's cool that they're trying to like knock off his rhythm with these drums and it's it's a cool idea but uh it it i don't know it drags on a little bit and i didn't love that aspect of it but i mean it's a great vicing there's no complaints the only complaint i had about this film was and I don't know why uh, it, it happened in this film, but if you watch Lao Wing fight in this film, he plays the um the fortune teller. I can't remember his name, but he's not a great on screen fighter. He looks a bit sloppy in this film. A little bit, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. They, it's like everyone else is doing this amazing choreography, and he's he's not quite up to the level they are. Um, which is weird because I didn't notice it in the first film because he plays a different character in the first film. But in the second film, it, it stood out uh, a little bit. And that was really my only gripe about the fighting. But the final fight scene, I mean, it's, I mean, every every single action point in these films pretty much nail it. But it's, the, the finale is pretty wild. My, uh, uh, what was that? Am I a fan? Yeah, we were a fan of the final fight. Oh, I I love it. I think I think what this I think what both these movies do is make the last fight the talking point. Yes. The like 
the highlight of the film. My uh, my review from November on Letterbox says fight scenes are even crazier than the first. Things go full Dragon Ball Z, but <laughs> the story isn't as refined, but but still worth the watch. And I gave it three and a half. I, I think that's perfect. I think you bringing up the word refined is definitely a, a, a correct uh, correct word to use. It just it definitely doesn't feel as refined as the first. And I don't think the director. I mean, is is he the writer as well? I'm gonna check that out real quick because I want to know who wrote these movies. And it looks like he is also the writer. Um, yeah, it feels like he isn't good at telling. I mean, he's a good director. Um, yeah. He had a co-writer on the first one. Uh, Wang Ying, who wrote, according to his letterbox, uh, Mr. Vampire, uh, Encounters of the Spooky Kind, uh, The Sword from 1980, Swordsmen, uh, and he's also done Opium and the Kung Fu Master, Bat with Wings. So yeah, so he's, it seems like the first one's just based off of the credits. Uh, Tony Lau needed someone to kind of rein in a story for him. Yeah. Uh, very much, I would say, <laughs> this popped in my head. This is very much the uh, the Zack Snyder of Hong Kong. He's visually an incredible guy, can direct the hell out of an action scene. Yeah, but when he's writing a movie, it's not very good. <laughs> yeah, he definitely wants to. He's the kind of director it seems that like wants to go big. I wonder, like, I wonder what the budget was on these films compared to other Shaw Brothers films. That would be interesting to know. Because they do, they do feel higher. Yes. They do feel much higher. Like, this movie seems like the budget was much more than... I don't, I mean, it, feels, it feels epic, even though it's technically very small scope. There's, like, they're on set pieces. Like, they're on stages. Yeah, and that's what I liked more about the first one, is that the first one was very epic in its feel, but, yeah, it wasn't too complex it was just a simple set of characters just doing simple stuff uh the second one does definitely broaden the world there's more characters coming in and out and uh, i just think it, it slightly uh just it lets go of it a little too much and doesn't keep it quite as tight as he should the second one feels like it should have been a tv show i can see that i can definitely see that yeah because yeah. you could have given all these characters motivation could have given them stories instead of just kind of throwing them in randomly yeah. And but yeah, I overall I think this is the first one easily one of the best martial arts movies ever. I, I definitely right now it's it's definitely in my uh, top 5 shows. I'm, I like in What's your top 5? Oh, that's hard to say. It's so hard to say at the moment. Um uh recently upon rewatching it, I honestly think my favorite Lao Kar Lung film is and this is a weird one, uh My Young Auntie. Um okay. I, I watched that recently and it just absolutely worked for me in every single way possible i love that film and probably yeah not not in any kind of order it's probably my young auntie uh bastard swordsman uh um uh clan of the white lotus really that's the top five for you yeah oh clan of the white lotus may be my favorite kung fu movie of all time bar none for real (laughs) yeah i love that film i love it absolutely now, uh, now, if I remember correctly on your podcast, Food for Thought, your wife did not like that movie, right? No, my wife did. Cyrus doesn't uh, didn't Cyrus like is, that one. Well, Cyrus, I don't know. Cyrus doesn't, yeah, like Cyrus doesn't fucking like anything. He's an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, she, uh, Devin tends to like, like, Gordon Lou Shaw Brothers movie. No, she likes Lau Kar Lung, basically. 
Um, I, I'm not sure she'd love a film like Mad Monkey Kung Fu because that's a little too silly. And maybe Dirty Ho would kind of melt her brain a little bit. But the other standard like Kung Fu movies, Executioners from Shaolin, things like that, I think she'd love. Do you think she would like this movie? That, oh, that's a damn good question because when I was watching it for this podcast, I was like, damn, we should have done this for Food for Thought because <laughs> I would love for her to watch it. But we did do Duel to the Death. And neither of them liked it that much, which is that's fucking crazy. wild. Yeah, I don't that get is it. So crazy to me. Yep. I even, I, I even Taylor was watching part of that movie, and she was like, she she says to me, "Oh, I see why you like this. This is fun." That's even awesome. though even though it's not her thing, she was laughing at the ninjas becoming big and yeah, like just like she was having fun watching the movie. Um, I think- but. She, it's I think, no, I think too many people are uptight. They go in with these like preconceived notions that just like, oh, I'm gonna judge this because it's a kung fu movie. And I think Devin and Cyrus still have that notion where they're like, they haven't let themselves go. They haven't like let kung fu movies wash over them and just enjoy them for what they are. I still think they're sitting there and going, oh, well, I'm gonna pick this apart. This is silly. This is dumb. And it's just like. Just let it go. Let just enjoy it. Sit back and enjoy the ride. That's you know that's what kung fu movies are all about. Yeah, I mean, I mean, these aren't. I mean, for me, this is my favorite cinema. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like, uh, you know, obviously we're doing Japanese sword play films, and we're doing uh, some uh, Hong Kong sword play films, and I'm I'm looking forward to delving into Japanese cinema even more. But this stuff, like. This this is it for me. This is just what makes me happy and makes me smile. Um, I am all about films like this. Uh, just, and I can't believe it's been so long since I've revisited so many. And I feel like 2022 is just such a good year for me because I, I'm deciding to go back and watch them. It's just it's just great. I want to talk about before we end it. I want to talk about your latest podcast of Food for Thought. Yes. Y- they didn't like that movie. Uh, I, uh, if anyone's listened to the to the episode, um, you can t- you can actually hear me get very very angry in that episode. Yeah, you get you. you <laughs> it starts off as confusion because you're yes. like, wait, what do you mean you don't yes. you don't like this movie? And then it turns into anger. Yeah, so we did Broken Path, which is also called Attack of the uh, Yakuza, and. Uh, I don't get it. It's one long fight scene and it's non-stop action and the fight scenes are brutal and bloody and bone crunching and granted, you know, it's not quite the quality of the raid but it is non-stop and I don't understand it. I know it's low budget. It feels like a porno because the acting's that bad and, you know, the film quality (laughs) isn't that bad and it's definitely very porno-like. But if you take the sex in pornos and replace it with action, that's what Broken Path is. And I don't get it. Still to this day, I I cannot comprehend that they watched that film and sat there and did not enjoy it. I just don't, I just don't get it. It's beyond me. Have, have have you showed them uh, Shogun Assassin? Yes, we did an episode on Shogun Assassin. And did they, they like it? Loved it. Okay, good. Because because after you were like, you were saying it gets hard showing people you love movies you love. Yeah, and them not hate and then them not liking it. And I was like, man, Shogun Assassin. If they don't like that, just break up with both of them. Well, you're you're a huge fan of uh, Lone Wolf and Cub. So has your wife seen those films? 
she she has seen me watch them enough to where every time I watch them, she's like, "You're watching this again." Okay, fair enough. Does like, she, she like them? Uh, no, she's not. She's not into. No. She's not into. I don't want to. It's going to sound racist. She's not into Asian movies. <laughs> just because when we got married, that's all I watched. At yes. the end, that's still all I watched. But she was like, "Can we watch something without subtitles?" Like, she's just tired yeah. of subtitles. I get it. I get it. There's that fatigue that kicks in. I think it's it's this weird like trigger that you either you pull the trigger and either the gun shoots or it doesn't with some people. It's a case of for me it's shot. You know, uh just Asian cinema works for me. Whether it's whether it's uh kung fu, old school kung fu, sword play, even Asian horror, whatever it is, I'm really into it. Korean like crime dramas, crime thrillers, whatever it may be, it just works for me. And I think with some people, it just it just doesn't quite shoot or quite fire for them. And they don't they just it's it's not in their realm of like enjoyment. And with my wife, it's like, I don't know, somewhere in the middle. It's it's strange. She likes some of it and doesn't like some of it. I mean Old Boy, I think I've never seen my wife hate a film more than Old Boy. She hated Old Boy. She because of the it. twist. Yes, because of the twist. Yeah, she like thinks that film is deplorable. Really? Yes, and I'm very excited because not this week, but next week we're doing a bonus episode of the podcast, and we're actually doing the sadness. So I'm wondering how she feels about that one. <laughs> you should show her uh, Lady Vengeance. Yeah, I think she'd like that. I mean, she loves I Saw the Devil. We did an episode on I Saw the Devil. and she Really? But she doesn't it. like old, just because of the twist and old boy. Yeah, just the incest thing didn't <laughs> sit well with her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I showed Taylor Audition, but I sold it Oof. to her as a romantic comedy. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, because she was like, I don't want to watch a horror movie. And I was like, well, this one's actually a romantic comedy. And she was like, what the fuck? I uh, I almost bought Audition the other day, but is it me or is Audition quite slow? It's quite a slow film, right? It's a very slow film. I don't understand why people, I mean, I get why people like it. Um, they call it Mike's best movie, but I disagree. I think it's a one and done film. You watch it, you get yes. the twist, and you're done. Yeah, I almost bought it, but I was just like, how often am I going to watch it? I mean, I'd, I'd watch it with Devin, but that would be the last time because I remember it being, yeah, quite... I mean, obviously, the ending is fantastic and we all know what happens, but the build-up to that is just not something you watch over and over. It's really sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really fucking sad... It's a depressing-ass fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. There's... And the twist isn't even like... I don't. Maybe people were just huge pussies in the 90s or like, I don't know what... Like or like, just American audiences were because that twist. If you're just a fan of like world cinema in general, that twist wasn't that shocking. No, no, I think I, I think you're definitely right. I, I think there was a certain mentality back then where maybe we hadn't been subjected to like, uh, I guess torture porn was when America first got subjected to like really fucked up shit. When people are like, oh, hostile, that's really twisted. It's like the hostel is actually not that bad. You should watch a bullet syndrome or like, <laughs> you know. Oh, imagine! I can only I can only imagine. Like, I would I would never show anyone a bullet syndrome. I love a bullet <laughs> syndrome. I love that film, but I can never show anyone it. It's too. You, you wouldn't show too, your wife? Uh, no, 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 no. She would. She, she may divorce me after For real? that film. She would not like that. She would not I, like that film. I cannot believe that that got a four K of of all things. 
Yeah, and I, I'm actually annoyed that I didn't buy the 4K. I bought the standard Blu-ray, so I missed out on the 4K. But uh, uh, a shout out to um, Hong Kong Blu-rays who watches all these films with his wife. I love that guy. Yeah, so uh, shout out to him for he watched the Bowler Syndrome recently with his wife, and I, I gave him full credit. Like, good for him. He's actually he's uh, he's he's him and his wife are in the group chat that we're a part of. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, there's dude. You gotta make a Facebook. What do you? Yeah, I know. There's dude. It's uh, the Facebook page is awesome. It's uh, I mean the Facebook group. It's uh, it's me, Will from Hong Kong Cinema, uh, Hong Kong Blu-rays, uh, Fanatical Dragon, yeah, uh, Martial Arts Theater three thousand. Oh, like, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Oh yeah, there, I mean yeah, and there's so many like there's other people in there too. Yeah, that are just fucking great, and we talk literally every single there's chats happening um okay. sometimes i have to mute it when i'm at work because fuck man these guys are really talking yeah yeah all day but i maybe love I, them maybe i need to get on facebook then you yeah. should you, you have know. a lot of fans on facebook for some odd reason i'm paranoid about facebook i feel like uh mark zuckerberg is somehow like stealing my semen or something <laughs> i mean i mean he is for sure yeah <laughs> but for uh sure. Yeah, I, yeah, maybe I'll jump on and get some kind of like, um, uh, not like a personal page, page, but a food for thought page. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe. Create like just, or just create a page for your wife and just use it. Yeah. Just pose as Devin. Oh, she's actually got a Facebook, so maybe I she can, does. Maybe I'll use hers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you should just use it. Or just like do, uh, you know, like do the thing wherever uh, a, a couple cheats and they make their name, you know, Devin and Sean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll work on. I'll work on something. Maybe I'll head back to facebook you should because there are some really good groups like the hong kong cinema appreciation group is probably the best group on facebook yeah i hear that's that's phenomenal and there's a lot of uh news going around that particular group and you get all the uh you get all the news earlier than everyone else <laughs> pretty much yeah it's yeah. pretty much um, I, al- I always hear things like last minute um we have a really good question oh great film freak who you just did an episode with we did, did you? yeah. We had an episode released uh, last <laughs> I week. I was hoping I was right because you were really up. quiet. I was like, oh, fuck. I got the wrong one. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I, for a moment, I was just like, did we? And then I forgot because I recorded the episode a long time ago with him. Um, and I only put it out last week. But yeah, we sat down and chatted up about uh, Kung Fu movies. So he says, a gang of unarmed ruffians are terrorizing your home. Oh. You need to recruit a seven samurai style team. You can pick from anyone from any country. And generation of martial arts cinema, who are in your team of seven? Now the question is: Are we picking characters or are we picking actors? I'm gonna pick characters. Characters. I think that's wise because, quite frankly, even though I love Jackie Chan, I wouldn't want him on my team. Um, oh no, he he would get his ass kicked. Yeah, characters. Hmm. Um. That's an interesting question. The first one that comes into my head is uh, Pai Mei, but not Gordon Liu's Pai Mei. I'm going for Lole's <laughs> Pai Mei. Although, okay. it's not, technically, it's not Pai Mei when he plays it. It's Pai Mei's brother. But Lole's white-haired villain character from Clan of the White Lotus. Okay. That would definitely be one. Um, uh, Agami Ito. That's in mine. That's my. That's my number one. Of course. How could How could you not have that? By himself, he could take on fucking a group of easily. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, he's done it plenty of times. Yeah, he would be. He would be a beast. So, so you you got Pai Mei, Ogami Ito. Yep. 
Um, all I'm thinking of now is a Huang Zhang Li character, but I don't even know what film to take him from. Uh, Huang Zhang Li is just a beast in every single thing he's in. Um, oh fuck it, let's take him out of Drunken Master. So, oh no, let's let's do Dance of the Drunken uh, Mantis instead. So Huang Zhang Li, uh, Rubber Legs from Dance of the Drunken Mantis. Okay. Definitely one that I would pick. Who's your second? So I got Ogami Ito yeah. um, as my number one, uh, just because he is, it's fucking, it's Ogami Ito. Of course. Um, best, the biggest badass to have ever lived, ever. Um, but my number two is the character called Shino mm-hmm. from Bohachi Bushido, Code of the Forgotten Eight. Um mm-hmm. It's a, I, we we have to cover this movie. I think we might actually cover it next episode, okay? Um, because it is the Japanese equivalent of Bastard Swordsman. Um, okay. It's crazy. There's tits. There's blood. Yes. Um, he kills. <laughs> it's an 80 minute long film, and the main character kills over 100 people. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So it's fucking awesome. So he is number two, just because he is incredibly uh, skilled. Uh, he's played by uh, Tetsuro Tamba. Okay. What year is that film? Uh, Bohachi Bushido is, I think it's 79. It's 73. 73? No. Yeah, and you're going to watch it and you're going to go, there's no way that's fucking 1973. Yeah, yeah. But so that's my number two. Okay. Um, have you got a third one? Because I've done three so far. Um, God. This is a tough question. Yeah, I got one more in my head. It's a, it's a little bit of a cheeky one. It's a, a little bit of a twist for me. Um, but I'm, I'm going to say it anyway. I would actually take uh, Ken Shiro from Fist of the North Star. Okay, that's a good. That's a great fucking pick, dude. It's a beast. He's a he's a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say probably number three for me would be One Arm Swordsman. Nice, nice choice. Um, yeah, especially during you and Return of the One Arm Swordsman, like one of the best sequels Shaw's ever produced. Um, he's number three. Number four, I want to get. I want to get another martial arts act, like like another kung fu, yeah, actor. Um, hmm. This is a good. This is a really good question. It is very good. It is very good. Um, <laughs> the black guy from Ninja Final Wars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> The guy who calls himself the Shogun of Harlem. I love. I do. It's that, great. That's fucking. That's so good. And he's like seven feet tall. He's taller than literally everyone else. Yeah, uh, is that that's Eugene Thomas, right? I think it's a guy called Eugene Thomas. Yeah, yeah, he's um, great. He's great in a whole bunch of Alexander Liu films. I want to have somebody from the Five Deadly Venoms. Of course, can't go wrong there. Which but, one though? That's yeah, the question. That's, ooh. Who's your favorite Venom? My favorite is probably probably Philip Quack. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I think the, I'll pick. Yeah I, yeah, I think I'll pick Philip Quack. Okay, okay. Uh, my favorite Venom is actually the Centipede. I I, I like uh um in in Venom. Yeah, I actually like him as Centipede, and actually Lu Feng is also my favorite of the Venom's mob, um as well. I just think he's. I just love him. He's such a good villain and underrated as a villain. Um, so are you going to pick Lu Feng? 
No, I don't think so. I think I'm going to go for... Um, I, I kind of have to do this. Even... Yeah, fuck it. I'm going to go for uh, uh, Jet Li's Wong Fei Hung. Okay. 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 Uh, I'm going to go with Zadoichi. Nice. Okay. Okay. I think, I, I, I think, I think that's an easy... That's an easy pick. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good call. Um, I, I kind of need someone. I've only got Ogami Ito, who's really good with weapons. I wouldn't mind someone else who's good with weapons, but I'm not sure who I would pick. Um, hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and you know what? Just the uh, just the close. Uh, just to close it off, I would pick. Uh, Norman Chu and Damian Lau from Duel of Death. That's oh yeah, that's a great choice. That's a great choice. No <laughs> one's fucking with those. those two on my team. That's that's great. Um, you know, I'd probably go for. Uh, I would go for. Um, um, oh my god, why can't I remember? Uh, Lung Kar Yan or Beardy? I'd go for Beardy, but I'd go for Beardy specifically from the end of the film Thundering Mantis. Um, because at the end of that film, Beardy goes crazy and turns into a kung fu cannibal and starts eating his enemies. So I would definitely choose him. This is a cheap, but just show Kasugi himself. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Or, I was thinking uh, uh, Yasuaki Karata is another one. Raizo from Ninja Assassin. Oh yeah, oh, I didn't even think about modern actors. Yeah, he'd be he'd be awesome. He'd be awesome. That 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 movie is a gem. Oh yeah, if they oh, yeah. cut the fucking romance out of that movie, that movie is a gem. I just bought it the other day. <laughs> I love it, dude. I it was love uh, it, it was for sale on Orbit. It was a used copy, and it was on there for like five bucks. I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna pick that up. That's oh, a. Me... What you broke up then? Say That's... that again. Oh, you said it's worth fifteen bucks. And that movie's at least fifteen bucks in my eyes. Oh, absolutely. I hope one day we get a 4K of that one. You think we will? Uh, it seems to be a movie that like no one really gives a shit about, so I doubt we'll get a 4K anytime soon, but I would love to. I'd love to see it. I'm still surprised that, I mean, almost 20 years later, there's not a really big following for that movie. It's crazy. At the time, it, I, don't know, I don't know why it just didn't get any recognition. It should have got a sequel. And it just it just fell and it didn't even fall under radars. People went to see it, but people just didn't like it. It's very odd. It yeah, it's very, very odd. Um because yeah, the it, action in that movie is top notch. Yeah, and maybe it just, just didn't hit the uh like the cultural pulse. Maybe just people just weren't into the idea of that at the time, but then it was around the time of the Matrix, so it makes sense that people would. Um so I don't know. I don't know. Maybe people just aren't ready for ninjas yet. I mean, people people shit all over Snake Eyes, and I stand by Snake Eyes being an actual good film. I know Wait, the action's what? fucked. Yeah, I know the action's fucked. I know, I know it doesn't look great. I know it's chopped to shit, and I know it's a mess. But Snake Eyes, I will say that I'm not saying it's perfect. It is not a bad film. You have the most wild opinions. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't like stuff like the good, the bad, the ugly, but then you'll say Snake Eyes yeah. is a good movie. Oh no, I have terrible opinions on movies. <laughs> I am I am quite well known as having absolutely awful, awful taste. 
So yeah, yeah. I mean, I still, I still, I still love you, but my <laughs> lord, yeah, hottest take I've ever heard. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I just, um, I mean, this is coming from the guy that 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 does not like Bruce Lee movies. I think that's good though. I think I I always like people's film opinions that they don't like. They're not sheep. They don't go. Sometimes they go against the grain. They don't follow everyone else. I think there's too many people on whether it's film Twitter or even Letterbox, wherever you look. I think there are too many people that force themselves to like films just to say, "Hey, I'm one of the cool kids. I like this film." Yeah, I totally agree. And people always call me crazy when I'm like, "Yeah, I just don't like Bruce Lee movies." Yeah, and um, while I do appreciate Bruce Lee's filmography more than I used to, I used to not like his films at all, um, I, I'm with you. They're not nearly as good as people say they are. The Big Boss is shitty, uh, quite frankly. I'm not a fan of The Big Boss at all. I mean, honestly, um, all his movies are shitty. <laughs> now, that's a wild <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> no, I stand by that. All his movies suck. He is good the best. He's the best part of all his movies. Yes. And Could everything. you imagine if he had, like, like it, like it, Jackie Chan roles, or like if he was like even in Jimmy Wang new role, like in The Man from Hong Kong, or yes, uh, or anything like that, he would have fucking killed it. Yeah, he he didn't have the the best luck. Obviously, he didn't have the best luck. He died, but um, I would have loved to have seen where Wait, he would. Spoiler: gone. He died. Yeah, spoiler alert. Bruce Lee's <laughs> been dead for a little while. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I understand if people want to watch Bruce Lee films and be like, oh, it's the best thing in the world. But just, I just implore people, look at the film for the film. Don't look at the film for Bruce Lee. Don't be like, oh, Bruce Lee's amazing in this film. Therefore, the film is good. That's not necessarily the case. I mean, it's the... It's the same thing. Like I, I actually said that in that group chat, and mm-hmm. I was like, it's the same thing when people say Jimi Hendrix is the best guitar player, and they were like, well, he is the best guitar player. But which just goes and proves my point is that what's it say about a genre of music or a genre of film that it hasn't evolved past? Yeah, a certain point. Yeah, absolutely. Or is it? Yeah, is it is it that or people just not willing to say a new guitarist because it doesn't seem right? Because Jimi Hendrix is this classic character that you can't break away from. Like I feel exactly the same way about people who say that Tupac is the best rapper of all time. Uh, it's absolutely it's hilariously wrong. It it is it is <laughs> yes. It's it's Kingpin Skinny Pimp. <laughs> it's you know I mean out of all the rappers that have died young. I wouldn't even put Tupac in my top three. Not a chance. No, not even near the top three. I would say Big Pun is a better rapper. Big Pun is a better rapper. Big L was a better rapper. Biggie's a better rapper. Sean P's a better rapper. I can keep going. I do. I. I am. I've. I've always been more of East Coast guy than a West Coast guy. Me too. Me too. I grew up on West Coast, but I. I made the transition to the East Coast. There's just something so, I don't know, so gritty about. Boom bap. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's it. That's the word. Gritty. It's it's just it gets gets under your skin, but in a very good way. Like um you like West Coast stuff, but like I've never been a big Snoop fan, never been a big Tupac fan. Um Easy E I like a lot. Yeah, Easy E was great. It was great. I grew um, up on Snoop on Snoop. Snoop was like my 
my my my entry to um to hip hop was uh Cypress Hill then Snoop. So I've always kind of liked him, but uh, I was never a big Tupac fan, um, or a lot of other West Coast artists. I mean, I like Dre, I like The Chronic, but um, I like Fellas yeah. with Attitude. <laughs> good band or good group? Yes, <laughs> I can't say the right. Those fellas, yeah. <laughs> those those fellas are angry. Yes, they are. Have you have you ever seen uh, that interview with Easy where the where the white guy is just like, what would you do if a white guy called you the N word? And Easy's like, well, depends on how you say it, man. You say it with an A. <laughs> I'm gonna be what's up? What's up, man? I'm gonna give you a high five. But if you say it with a you know with hate, you can't be saying that. Yeah, that's crazy. That's that's a crazy thing to say as well. <laughs> Just flat out the easy ease face. What are you gonna do if someone is racial towards you? Yeah, exactly. People ask some uh, very weird stuff. Uh, Who's your favorite modern rappers? Modern rappers? Yeah. Um like... so I don't I don't like a lot of modern stuff, but I would say like Joey Badass um, needs to put out a new album. Joey yeah, Badass he fucking is, does. Is amazing. I think he's got one in the works, or so I heard. And then I hate to hop on the bandwagon, but uh, Benny the Butcher and Conway the Machine and anyone from the Griselda camp, um, I'm really liking at the moment. I mean, they they they're really the best in hip hop. But I like a lot of like, uh, <laughs> like I grew up liking um, a lot of independent white boy hip-hop as well like uh aesop rock and sage francis and uh, uh company flow and people like that um so when like the, uh is it the rhyme sayers crew yeah rhyme sayers crew exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. brother ali atmosphere um, <laughs> brother ali's great he's he's awesome he's awesome so when um lp uh uh the guy who's part one half of run the jewels when run that, the that's jewels, the that's the group i've seen the most live yeah oh really you've seen them live i've seen them live five or six times oh man good for you love them awesome and every time i every time i've seen them they start their concert off with we are the champions (laughs) nice it's great yeah lps uh, i i love lp i like killer mike as well but uh, i kind of grew up with lp's music so i like i like a variation i like a lot of the stuff like uh you know i used to like jay diller and mf doom uh rest in peace rest in peace uh absolutely one of the best rappers ever sean price rest in peace is one of my favorites and just i i may not be tapped into the modern mainstream hip-hop like i couldn't tell you the difference between uh fucking uh two chains and uh little pump i couldn't tell you the difference between uh, you, that you, stuff. you can tell the difference oh, i know i couldn't i don't think i i don't think i've ever heard like a little pump song i don't think i've i'm not even sure I, I maybe in my lifetime i've heard maybe two drake songs like it's just something i just don't listen you don't to. like drake no i don't and i tried the new kendrick album and that did not i did not like the kendrick album man no, no and people are fucking there was a post on the kendrick lamar subreddit on how to listen to the album in order to like it. Cause people were like, I'm not liking this. Uh, I saw a similar thing and it was very, very funny. Uh, there was a woman on Twitter and she says, uh, she said, basically there's a certain way to listen to the Kendrick album. And her answer was be black. And I was just like, fair enough. Fair enough. If that's the answer, then, then good, good for you. Because I, I don't get it. Um, it's just, it's sonically not for me. Um, but I know people love him and, and good for them. But uh, I mean, yeah. I think he's the best of this generation. I do think to pimp. I think to pimp to pimp a butterfly is his best album. Yes, um, if you put Kendrick over producers that I actually like, if you put him over over Jay Diller or Primo, 
or Ninth Wonder, I will absolutely hit the roof and think he's the best thing in the world and I would listen to all his music. I just don't necessarily he think he picks like beats that, that are for me. Do you like stuff like Suicide Boys? Uh Suicide Boys, I don't even know who they are. Uh they're two they're two cousins from Louisiana uh that make rap music. They're really good. I they're my favorite group right now. Um I'll I'll, I'll, I've, I'll I've just I'll have to send you some stuff. I've Googled them. Yeah, I'll I'll check them on Spotify. I've just I've just given them a quick uh Google and yeah, I'll take a look. I'll I'll always listen to any anything anyone recommends me as far as hip hop goes. I will listen to. I will always try out any kind of hip hop because I'm always looking for new hip hop. Do you like it's, City Morgue? I haven't even heard of City Morgue. They're, these uh, guys, they're these guys sound like very horrorcore rap, are they? Uh they're like border borderline horrorcore. I don't like okay. horrorcore, but they're like right up they're teetering on the edge. Um okay, so they're not like necro. No, God no. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate Necro. Yeah, me too. Uh City Morgue is the perfect gym. It's the perfect gym band to oh, listen okay. to. Uh they like rap over a lot of like uh distorted guitar loops. Oh, okay. Um really fucking cool. Uh Suicide Boys is very much I would say edgy three six mafia. Oh, okay, okay. I can I can get down with that. That sounds interesting. I'll have um, to give them a listen. Have you heard of what else have I been listening to? Um, I think that's really it for rap. It's like the two. That's like my two go tos. Yeah, I I very rarely stray away from rap as far as music goes. Shakewell, I'm, who? Shakewell. Shakewell, as in yeah. shake and bake. Yeah, Shakewell. Never heard of that dude either. He's a he's like a four hundred pound man. Oh, incredible, incredible artist. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and. Uh, Look into him as well. <laughs> you should text me after you listen to these guys what your thoughts are because I would love. I to will. An old school hip hop fan, an old school hip hop head. <laughs> I will. I will definitely. Oh, okay, shake well. I see him now. All right, interesting. Yeah, I'll definitely definitely check this out. I'm I'm always up for new music. I like you know occasionally I go away from uh, hip hop, but what I listen to away from hip hop is like <laughs> like Tori Amos, <laughs> which is a weird choice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Tori Amos, Fiona Apple. I, yeah, I like I like women what? with pianos. Basically, I even I even listened to uh, Mila Jovovich's album the other day. Yo, it's good. It's Flames. It's a good album. I kid you not. Yeah. Good album. Oh, like ninety five. <laughs> okay. Where did it come out? Oh wow. Um. I've been listening to a lot of, like, lately, besides rap, and I've also listened to, like, a lot of metal. Um, I've been listening to a lot of, like, 70s and 80s Italian pop songs. Interesting. Um, like, Gloria by uh, Umberto Tozzi, um, uh, Richie and, pa, uh, and Paveri. Um, who's the other one? It's a married couple. Oh, yeah. Albano and Romina Flowers. Or mm. Romina Power. I've been listening to a lot of them, uh, just because it reminds me of Sicily. But... Yeah, do you want to go to wrap it up, bud? We can certainly wrap it up. Absolutely. So, guys, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we will be back in two weeks with – you want to do a Japanese film? 
Yeah, absolutely. Pick pick the film, and I will uh, I will look it up and see if I can find a copy. We will, we will watch Bohachi Bushido, Code of the Forgotten Eight. Bohachi, hold on, I'm putting that into Google. Bohachi Bushido. There's two. Make sure it's Code of the Forgotten Eight. Oh, okay. Uh, code of okay. I'm gonna do a quick search for that just to see if I can find it. Uh, and there it is. <laughs> Believe it or not, <laughs> this is really funny. I did a search for that film, and I, I just looked just to see if it was online at any particular place. Maybe YouTube had it for free. Uh, instead, two porn sites have it in its entirety, <laughs> which is amazing, which is amazing. I literally have it up now, right in front of me. I have it up, and it's on a porn site. Uh, oh, wait, there's a woman... Oh dear, I, I should take that off the screen in case my wife walks in. But uh, yes, yes, okay, I have found it, um, but it looks like it's going to be good if it's on the porn site. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, if anyone wants to watch it, you can go to tubepornclassic.com or you can go to pornzog.com to find it. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait to talk to you about this, but yeah, we will see you guys next time. See you. Later. All right, man, that was a good episode.